Well, David in the Psalms said, I joyed when to the house of God go up, they said to me. Why would he say that? He said that because the house of God is a joyful and a happy place. And it is so refreshing and good to come into the Lord's house in the morning and to see God's people happy and in fellowship and rejoicing with each other. And of course, we rejoice with the very fact that we are alive. The Lord's given us grace to come to another Lord's Day, and that gives us great thanksgiving. And so, dear brothers and sisters, those watching our service online today, let us enter in to the Lord's presence in a spirit of worship and thanksgiving and to acknowledge all His mercies and kindnesses and grace to us. He is very, very kind. And His kindness is extended to us in so many ways. We cannot enumerate them, but the greatest one we know well if we are a child of Christ. We know that we have eternal life. We know that our sins have been forgiven. We know we have a home in glory. And therefore, that gives us every reason to praise Him today. We're going to start our service with Psalm 16. Psalm 16, Lord, keep me, for I trust in Thee. To God, this was my cry. Let's stand, please, as we worship.
seated. This is a messianic psalm. The final verse 8 says, Thou wilt not leave, thou wilt not, thou wilt show me thy path of life, of joy there is full store. Before thy face in thy right hand are pleasures evermore. The Lord promised that he would not leave his soul in the grave. The body of Christ did not see corruption during the three days and three nights he was in the tomb. He knew the Lord's presence with him. The Father was with him. And our Lord Jesus rose victoriously over the grave. And we today give thanks for that truth because He is alive. We too are alive in Him and have the hope of everlasting life. You know, many people today going through life overwhelmed by all of the issues, whether it is turmoil in countries, warfare, physical disasters. Yes, we hear them all. And people come to the point of being hopeless today. We're hearing of the increase and the rise of mental health problems, violence, suicides, things growing on every hand. And people wonder, is there any hope at all? Well, praise God today that in Christ we know there is hope. And we have the hope that Christ Jesus is alive. And He is coming back to this world to pick us up and to take us home to be with Him. And we today can rejoice in that. Let's bow, please, before the Lord now in prayer. Our gracious Father and our loving God, we come into Thy most holy presence today in the precious name of our Lord Jesus, that name that is above every other name. We're thankful this morning, Father, for grace given to us over this past week. We have been kept from dangers seen and unseen. And Lord, we have a measure of health today that enables us to be here in Your house with Your people and to lift our praises to the name of our Father. And so, dear God, we pray that every thing that would distract our minds take us away from this hour of fellowship and worship with our God. And Lord, they would be set aside. We would focus our attention on the things that are eternal, everlasting, of the hope that we have for eternity. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There is no greater joy than to know our Lord Jesus as Savior. There is no greater joy, Father, but to realize that we are safe and secure, and there is no power in heaven, on earth, or in hell that can take us out of Your hand. O oh God, today we are a blessed people. 
Help us to keep things of this life in perspective to that great truth. And help us, Lord, to be living examples of those who have been changed and transformed and brought out of darkness and into light. Let our neighbors and our friends in our family, let them know and see the difference that has occurred through sovereign grace. Today, Lord, we give thanks for all of Your kindnesses to us. Remember today, Father, those who are not able to be with us in the house of God, or if they are here, still they have very serious medical problems, serious issues that they deal with day by day. O Lord, we ask that You would pour out Your great grace upon them and help them in the time of their physical weakness. May they know spiritual strength that overwhelms and overcomes that. Lord, we pray for those not able to be with us because of such sickness. Be with them where they are now. May they know great comfort and peace. And may they know their heart lifted up with encouragement of the Savior drawing near to them and pouring out His rich blessings. Remember, Father, we pray, those suffering for the cause of Christ, whether it's here in our own land or in far-off places where there is no gospel liberty, bless them, Lord, with a bright testimony Bless them with encouragement. Bless them to be a light in a dark place. Father, hear our prayers today. Have mercy upon our nation. Lord, our political leaders need to be born again of the Spirit of God. Our political leaders need Christ. And I pray for their salvation. But Lord, in the meantime... Keep them from their foolish and wicked evil ways. Keep them from their decisions and their governmental plans, their party politics, all of the nonsense that goes on. O oh God, lift, we pray, and have mercy upon our nation and preserve us from the devilish tricks and designs that He has. We're asking for an awakening among Your people, a reviving. Lord, come near and revive our own hearts that we will be drawn closer to our Lord Jesus and that we will be as a congregation, as a church, as a body of believers, we will be a strong force for righteousness and truth in our community, in our city, in our province, in our nation. And raise up many voices, O God, in our day. And yes, Lord, we pray for conviction and the fear of God to descend upon our community that souls will be born again of the Spirit of God. Lord, hear our prayer. Draw near to us now and encourage us and help us bless all of our own congregations under the banner of our denomination. Bless each one of them. We pray also for every faithful 
man who is preaching the gospel, every faithful congregation of elders, they might not be part of our denomination, but Lord, if they are true to the gospel, then mightily bless them and prosper their works. Hear us now, Lord, and as we continue in our praise, receive our thanksgiving. We ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please turn to hymn number 11 in your hymnal or the words behind me on the screen, and we will stand again, please, as we worship the Lord. singing to the Lord today and thankful that you're lifting your heart and your praise to Him. Our Bible reading today is going to be taken from Luke chapter 24. A bit of a change from what I had told our gentleman this morning, but Luke 24, verses 1 to 12. 
Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in, and found not the body of Jesus, the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed, thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter, ran unto the sepulchre, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. We know the Lord will bless His Word to our hearts this morning, as we have read. We pray it will be a blessing to each one. Good to see you all today in the house of the Lord. We are very glad that you are here. We have some visitors with us, some folks visiting on holidays from Holland. You're very welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus. And others that are visiting maybe from the community at the back there, we said hello to you before, and we're happy that you folks are here today. And if I don't have your name or didn't get a chance to greet you this morning, you're very welcome nonetheless in the Savior's name, and also to welcome those viewing our service online today. Also happy to have our sister Grace Puccini and her family visiting with her as well. Always happy to have these folks here. And our sister Eunice, glad that you're back from your trip overseas, and the Lord has taken you out and brought you back safely, and we are very thankful for that today. Let me encourage you, please, to pick up a copy of our latest edition of The Current magazine. This is a magazine of our denomination, North America, and there are some encouraging articles in the magazine speaking about the recent ordination and installation in Orlando and also in Dominican Republic. Our brother Ramon Sosa, who was also licensed and ordained there in that part of the Lord's vineyard. So that's encouraging. And there are some other good articles there. Please pick it up and read it. And then when you're finished, pass it on to a neighbor, a friend, someone else. It could be a witness to them. You would encourage them by the good, sound doctrine, doctrinal articles that are found there. 
We want to continue to remember, please, in prayer, those that have need. I mentioned on Wednesday evening about our sister Kathy Kalinich, who is a former member of our congregation but moved up north, and the sad news of her son that died recently. And so we want to pray for Kathy that she will know the Lord's presence and help in this very time of her need. Do we remember, please, the services for today are local ministry announcements. This afternoon at 5.50, we'll be meeting for our pre-service prayer time and then our evening service at 6.30. Do please also remember on Wednesday evening this week is our regular Bible study and prayer time and then our Lord's Day services next Lord's Day, Sunday school, Bible classes, and the regular times. We also ask you to remember, please, in prayer, our upcoming presbytery and prayer time that will be happening the first full week of May, May the 8th to the 12th, second week, I should say. And there is a sign-up sheet on the back this morning for any of the ladies who would like to be able to participate in helping with some of the food preparation. The last time we had the week of prayer here was in 2019, and the congregation always rises to the occasion and gives great help and encouragement at these times. And so if you'd like to be an assistant some way, and I'm also going to be, well, asking some of the elders and folks to be able to make airport runs if necessary for pickups and drop-offs and so on. But if you're able to help, that would be good. We're also planning a couple of work days to clean up the grounds after the winter time in preparation for our visitors coming. And hopefully that will be on May the 1st and 2nd. That's a couple of weeks away, but that will be for men on the outside of the church and ladies on the inside to do some cleaning and spring cleaning as is a good habit and thing to do. We're also looking forward to our mid-year half week of prayer. This time at the beginning of January or end, we have a full week of prayer each night, but we're going to be meeting Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, uh, June 5th, 6th, and 7th. That's something to keep aside for you to book and to remember. We also want to have a, a baptismal service on that Wednesday evening. We have had a request for baptism and we're looking forward to that. And now is an opportunity for any others who need to be baptized that you would speak to me and we'll be able to make those preparations. One thing I should say, backing up to the presbytery and prayer times, when our ministers come, it's going to be a full week of meetings in the, day, in the evening time as well. And we want to have on Thursday night an international dinner that will be for all of our congregation and for all of the visitors. We're expecting at least 50 people who will be coming, ministers, elders, some of their family members, and so on. It'll be an exciting week. And Thursday evening uh, will be May the 11th. We'll be looking to have an international dinner of which you folks do very, very well here in our congregation. So we're keeping these matters, please, in our prayers. And then our summertime youth conference, our young adult conference in the month of August. It will be running for a few days during the first week of August. Looking forward to that and praying that God will go in front of us in all of those preparations. 
We do thank the Lord for His mercies to us and the way He enables us to survive. He supplies all of our needs. And as you give your tithes and your offerings to the Lord, you do so in giving unto Him. And while you give those offerings, we pray that every dollar that is donated, every dollar that's given, the session, the board of our congregation will have wisdom and understanding to be able to spend those funds of the Lord correctly. We are the stewards of the tithes and offerings that you give, both for the maintenance of our ministry here, the promotion of the gospel locally, and the giving of those funds that go to our missionaries and those that we support, and of course our seminary and the uh, issues of our presbytery. All of these things are part of the, the gifts and the tithes that you give, and the Lord has promised His blessing upon you. There is a plate at the, on the table at the door when you're leaving if you would like to leave an offering. We're going to sing again to the Lord's praise, number 163. 163. And let's stand, please, as we praise the Lord. singing well this morning and such a hymn of praise to the Lord. It's one you would want to keep on singing. And when we get to glory, we will be praising God with all our hearts and souls for all that He has done for us for all eternity. Please turn now in your Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 20. 
Gospel of John, chapter 20. Beginning at verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark under the sepulchre, and seeth a stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre, and he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. And then cometh Simon... Peter, following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and seeth two angels in white sitting the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have taken him, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, And she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. We'll end our reading there, praying the Lord will bless his word to our heart this morning. Please, let's bow for a word of prayer. Our Lord, we are very thankful today again to be in the place of prayer and of the open Scripture. And once more we ask for help to hear 
and to understand the Word. Write it upon our hearts. Bless the truth to each one gathered in person and online. And Father, we pray for any who may be unsaved. They do not know Jesus as their Savior. Bring them today to the foot of the cross, to the place of repentance and faith, and that they would be born again of the Spirit of God. Hear our prayers. Encourage us this day. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. The crucifixion of Christ gave every appearance of being a colossal failure. The miracle-working Lord who had helped and healed so many, who had raised those who had died to life again, and who had faced so much of satanic opposition, the severe attack of those who were against Him. And then finally, His life terminated in a horrible death that scattered those who had been devoted to Him. The grave is a very silent place. The voice this of our Lord Jesus that once sounded with great hope, it's now muted in death. If you were there at that time, what would you have thought? Was it all for nothing? Did we follow a misguided dream? Maybe He was not the Messiah after all. Maybe those Pharisees and scribes and Jewish leaders and doctors of the law, maybe they were right and He was a fraud. Not all things can be tested, you know, by what is seen with the natural eye. We know the Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith, but not just any faith. It is a faith that has to be grounded on something. Something outside of ourselves. It must be an objective faith in a God who has given His oath, His Word, and that Word that cannot fail. The natural view looks for empirical or physical evidence but not the man of God. For his faith is founded on what God has said and what he has done. The Lord Jesus had clearly stated that the Son of Man must suffer and die and after three days would be raised again to life. No man took his life from him he took his life to himself. He gave his life and he took it again. 
And all four Gospels, they speak of the resurrection of Christ from death. And this is, we know, a foundational point and truth that affirms all that Jesus lived for, all that He taught, for which He was crucified, and every messianic claim, it all rests upon the resurrection, fact, or fiction. I want to look today at verse 9 of John's Gospel, chapter 20. It says, For as yet they knew not the Scripture that He must rise again from the dead. We're going to be studying this verse in our morning and evening service. He must die, and He must rise. It points out the inevitability of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that there was no other option. The Scripture must be fulfilled, and God's purpose would not be overthrown. The devil and death would be defeated and we must receive the promise of everlasting life, the promise of glory. You see, my friend, where you stand today in relation to the cross work of Christ and His resurrection from the dead will determine your place in eternity when you die. Will it be in heaven? Or will it be separated from God in hell? He must rise from the tomb. And as we speak to that point, and we look at it from our vantage point today, looking back over 2,000 plus years of church history, we have so much advantage we have so much testimony. We have the evidence of so many believers who have lived and who have died, martyrs that have gone to the, the, their death because they believed in the resurrection of Christ and they would not surrender their conviction. But it was not always that case. And in the life of the disciples they had some issues. I want us to think in the first place today of the problem that the disciples had here and the ignorance of Scripture that affected these disciples. It affected their understanding of the work of Christ. For we are told in the opening phrase of verse 9, for as yet they knew not the Scripture. They had a problem of hearing, but not listening. A number of times the Savior spoke of His 
resurrection as an evidence of His Messiahship, of what He had come to do, of who He claimed to be. And He told them, as He told the accusing Pharisees and scribes, that as Jonah was in the whale's belly for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Now, He said that to those scribes and Pharisees. They were wanting a sign. You tell us, proposed Messiah, you give us something miraculous whereby we can believe that you are who you say you are. As if they had not seen enough miracle, enough people who had been healed, the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the lame to walk and the dead to be raised. What more could they want to see? But you see, the ungodly and the blinded man whose eyes are blinded spiritually, they will not believe even if they see great, miraculous, wonderful things. And so the Lord said, you will not see any sign from Me. I will not give you that. But there is something you have. The Old Testament prophet Jonah and the Lord Jesus by bringing Jonah into the equation validates Jonah as a legitimate Old Testament prophet, not some myth, not some person who spoke fairy tales, but as this very man Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, not something fictitious, something accurate and true, so the Son of Man will be in the grave for that period of time. On another occasion, when disputing with the leaders, the Jewish leaders, he told them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Well, of course, as he spoke that word to them in their unbelieving, hypocritical state, they thought, how could this arrogant man rebuild this temple that was over 40 years in building, and he's going to build it in three days? That's an impossibility. Of course, their minds were completely off track, and they thought he was another example of him being an imposter. Ah, but we know now exactly what the Lord Jesus meant by that. And so, he brought that to pass. You remember the account in Matthew 16 where Peter had just finished declaring when Christ asked them, whom do they say that the Son of Man is? And so they say, well, some say you're Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one, one of the prophets, but who do you say that I am? And Peter steps forward and he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the Lord Jesus in that context said to them, Jesus from that time forth began to show unto His disciples how that He must suffer and die and be raised again the third day. So right on the heels of the proclamation that Peter had made, he's now all ears. He could hear exactly the message that Jesus spoke to him. But right after the Lord Jesus spoke about Him being crucified or dying and rising from the dead, we're told that Peter began to rebuke the Lord. And then you know what followed after that? Jesus turned and said to him, Satan, get behind my back. 
Again, in Matthew 20, verse 18, Jesus said, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. Now, on top of these recorded statements from the Gospels, how many other times did the Lord Jesus sit with His disciples and He opened the Scriptures to them and taught them about His purpose for coming to earth? About His messianic purpose? about why He had come to live and that He would suffer and He would die and He would rise again. Now, we do not know how many other times, but it is not at all unreasonable to to say that the Lord Jesus' teaching to them was clear and abundant. But even if we only were kept to the recorded records, that are given to us, we could never say that they had never heard that message. So, what do we conclude from these words of John 20, verse 9, for as yet they knew not the Scripture? Here was the problem. They were hearing, but they were not listening. How many times, friends, have you yourself been in a a sermon, a time where you've been listening to the preacher, and then the service is over, you go out, you're talking to somebody, and they might say, can you believe what the pastor said this morning? How dare he say such a thing? He was preaching right at me. Well, I've heard that a number of times, actually, from people who come out of the same message, maybe, and they'll say, he was preaching at me. And the other, no, he was preaching at me. Completely unrelated situations, but that's the conclusion they make. But in this particular case, the person who was said, can you believe what the pastor said? They might say, said what? I never heard him say that. No, you just came out of that service. He just said that. I didn't hear him say that. And so, what, what do you conclude by that? Well, maybe the person who didn't hear the pastor say the thing, you or might have been thinking about your lunch, You may have been thinking about, did I lock the front door when we left this morning? You may have thought, where did I put my keys? Uh, You might have thought about a whole lot of other things. How about your dentist appointment you have tomorrow? And you're not too happy about that. The whole point is, you're in the message. You, You technically were hearing the sound, but you were not listening. Now, I hope that's not the case right now. I hope you don't think about any of those other things I've just mentioned. Keep your focus on the message of the Word of the Lord today. How many times have you been reading your Bible and you finish reading a chapter of your Bible, you close the book, and you literally cannot have a clue what you just read? It's gone from your mind totally. How could that be? Well, Maybe you were reading, but you really weren't reading. Maybe you were reading, but you were not 
comprehending. There's a difference, you know, between those two things. Comprehension is somewhat different from our understanding. We can get the gist of what is being written sometimes. For example, we're reading the story of Abraham and Isaac. And so we read the story and we know who's speaking. Uh, We know who is the person involved. It's Isaac. We know the location, Mount Moriah. We know what they're all about. It's commanded to sacrifice your only begotten son, God told Abraham. But the full implication of the scene... It may, it may not be there for us immediately. How, how are we going to know what the implication of that is? And it's going to require some further conscientious investigation. It's going to require more than just topical comprehension. There must be a hearing and listening to what is being written or spoken in order for us to comprehend. And my dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, this is where your personal study, research, and prayer of the Scripture is going to be so vital. We must be engaged, prayerfully engaged, in order that we will understand the Word. How much have we missed of God's holy truth. How many promises spoken in the Word, written down for us, warnings that God has given, instruction. How many times have we missed beholding our Lord Jesus Christ in the Word because we have been distracted by other things? because we've been in a rush, because there have been a thousand other things to distract us, and we have passed by vital truth because we knew not the Scripture. It is not a pleasing indictment against the church of Christ. Daniel tells us in his word, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. But how will they be strong? They will be only strong if they feed themselves upon the finest of the wheat. If we feed ourselves spiritually upon God's truth and Word, and we are engaged in what we are doing, and we are praying for the Spirit of God to teach us from His Word. Yes, friends, don't be distracted in the Lord's service. Pray that the Word will be settled in your mind. How will the the soldier know the correct call to battle unless he knows the tone of the bugle? unless he knows the alarm, the correct alarm. You know, the esteem that we give to the Scripture, it is, I suggest to you, directly connected to the authority that the Bible has in our 
lives. David in the Old Testament said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He said, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. You know, as David imbibed God's truth, he loved it because he loved the God who had given the Word. He loved the God who had written, inspired that written Word. And he did not want to miss, not a step. He did not want to miss a truth. He did not want to miss a doctrine because all of those things that led and pointed him to his Messiah. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is in the volume of the book from the very beginning to the very end. In the law, the prophets, the Psalms, throughout all of the New Testament, our Lord Jesus is there. Let us all pray for such a heart and reject the temptation to ignore or rush away from the Word because we don't want to miss anything that the Lord has for us. We don't want to be negligent. We don't want to allow distractions to intrude. We don't want this passing world and all of its stuff to take away and rob us of the blessing there is from the Word. But there was another issue, I believe, that affected the disciples. They were affected by preconceived ideas. The disciples were not learned men by the standard that the Jews, the scribes, the teachers would have estimated to them. They were not doctors of the law. They weren't lawyers. They were, for most, in most accounts, working men. But they were not stupid men. Don't ever think that. They were not men who were illiterate. They were men who knew the Old Testament. They knew the themes. They knew the characters. They knew the prophecies. That comes out different times in the questions that Jesus asked them. They knew those characters and those places. But as often as the, the case is, they judge the fulfillment of prophecy by an overly strict literal interpretation, especially regarding the kingdom of Messiah. And so, yes, they looked for the Messiah to come and to bring deliverance and bring redemption. They believed that the promise given to Abraham that through his seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Genesis 12, verse 3. They knew that that was a messianic prophecy. They knew that there was fullness and redemption coming. They also knew that Messiah was prophesied to be born in Bethlehem. And they also knew the prophecy about John the Baptist being the forerunner of Christ, that he would come in the spirit and power of Elijah. But when they read of the son of David sitting on his throne, 
and establishing His everlasting kingdom, while they looked for a temporal overthrow of power, namely of the Romans in their day, and the restoration of the golden age of Solomon. He ruled in peace and prosperity. Solomon had ruled over all of the promised land that God had said through Moses and Joshua. He had possessed it all at that time. It was all there according to God's promise. And they looked that Christ would come to sit on that throne of David and be such a ruler. And as while much of what they held in their belief of the everlasting messianic kingdom was true, some of the things that they interpreted were of a strict literal interpretation and it got them into some trouble. They knew not the Scriptures and they knew not about the Messiah rising from the dead. They were looking for a king. A king to reign in righteousness without the humiliation of the cross, without suffering, without death. Indeed, what they were aspiring to was a kingdom without a cross. But that was not the plan of God. And it was certainly not what the Old Testament prophecies had spoken about the coming of Messiah. Oh, they had missed some very important Scriptures. They had missed Isaiah 52, verse 11, that the Messiah would be marred more than any man. They had missed Isaiah 53, that He would be wounded for our transgressions. He would be bruised for our iniquities. They, they missed that point where it said that Messiah would make His grave with the rich in His death. Yes, they knew not the Scriptures. You know, preconceived ideas, teaching that has come about in our lives, sometimes from maybe previous churches or places where you've been, some doctrinal or practical bias that we might bring to the Word of God, some interpretations that people have shared with us and seems to have resonated in our minds and we have taken it and run with it, but it's taken us down a wrong path. And we have to come back to the Word of God humbling ourselves and saying, Lord, I do not want to hold one iota of doctrine that is not according to Your divine truth. I want to know everything that You have revealed for me to know. I do not want to speak or teach in error Believers, I pray this as a pastor, bringing the message with the responsibility, and I say this to you solemnly, it is a weighty responsibility to open the Scriptures and bring the Word of God to you, for I stand accountable before the Lord for the things I say 
and the impressions that I leave from the Scripture. And I don't want to come with preconceived notions or ideas. I pray, Lord, take those from me so that I do not lead someone astray. We can take Scripture sometimes out of its context. And that's a danger that we all need to be aware of. It may not be done with ill intent or intention to deceive someone. It may be out of genuine ignorance. That's where the disciples were. They had no idea, no intention of trying to make a little plan for themselves and take people away from the Christ and build their own No, none of that. But they were still ignorant of the Word. For the Scripture tells us they knew not the Scripture. The answer for us is to humbly seek the Holy Spirit for light to understand His Word. And the grace to accept instruction from faithful teachers and preachers and commentaries, yes. You know, some Christians will foolishly say, I stick to the Bible. I don't need anything else. I'm studying the Bible and I'm going to be a teacher of the Scriptures. But that's a very foolish and a very arrogant position to take. Because the Lord has given to His church those who are teachers and pastors and helpers and instructors. And why did the Lord Jesus give those to His church if they weren't needed in the church? Of course He has. And when we look to see how God has gifted certain men with the ability to study the languages of the Scripture and the ability to dissect and prepare for theological terms and doctrinal positions, and then we look to the benefit that God has given to us of great revivals in church history like the Protestant Reformation, whereby the Lord led men to uncover the Scripture truth that had been covered over and hidden in darkness by superstitious religion for centuries. And we today still reap the great benefit of that great move of God. And so to take from the writings of men of God, it's not a rejection of the Bible as our authority, but it is a humble and thankful realization that the Lord has gifted people. He's given them abilities that we don't have. And therefore, we come and seek aids and helps in our study. But having said all that, friends, we also must be careful that we do not allow secondary or substandards to be the authority. In our denomination, we, we give credence to the Westminster Confession of Faith and to the other doctrinal substandards of our denomination. But they are called substandards because they are not lifted above or exalted above the Scripture, but they find their total support upon the foundation of God's Holy Word, 
We want to rest upon what God has given to us by way of inspiration, His written Word. And therefore, we pray that we will be prayerful and vigilant, that we prove our hearing and our teaching by the acid test of Scripture always. We want to be like the Bereans. We often think about them because they search the Scripture to see if the things Paul was saying were true. Well, let us be such. Don't just listen to your pastor, but come and bring everything that is said to the Scripture. So, yes, they were affected by some preconceived ideas that were corrected later, by the way. A final, final thought this morning is that because they did not know the Bible, it led to unnecessary harm to themselves and to others. We know that God overrules our weaknesses, thankful for that, and our failures. But at the same time, we must not ever use those things as an excuse or to excuse the potential harm that our ignorance or disobedience to the Word may have upon ourselves and others. We could run some different scenarios in our imagination of how different things may have been for the disciples if they had taken hold of the Word of Christ, they had believed what He had said about rising again the third day, how would they have been different than cowering in fear in Jerusalem, fearing that the Jews were going to hunt them down and crucify them the same way they had done to their leader. And that's where they were. But if they had received the Word of Christ and believed that by faith, they would have been resting and waiting and looking expectantly for their Lord to rise from the dead. You see, their unbelief their ignorance, it led to problems in their own life. And it led to problems in the lives of others that they were impacting. Instead of comforting many, they were ultimately saying as they cowered in, hi in, in hiding, you got, you're on your own. The rest of the followers of Jesus, you guys figure it out for yourself. We're just in fear here. we got our own problems. Why, why was that reaction? Because they knew not the Scripture. How much damage has been done in families when parents have not either taught or reinforced the Word of God by both teaching and example to the children? How many people brushed aside a Christian witness because we have not been able to define or defend the most basic of doctrines. And people might assume, if you can't even answer that basic question about your faith, then why should I come to depend upon what you're telling me about your Savior? Christians how can we lead people to Christ if we don't even know the Bible verses to lead someone to Christ? 
Could you do that today? A workmate, a neighbor, if they came to you and said, I see your life is different. I'm observing you. I see you have peace in your life. What is it that gives you that peace? Could you lead me to that same Savior you've been telling me about? Could you open the Bible and take them to the verses that show them that they're a sinner and they need salvation? That Christ is the only Redeemer? That when they would be receiving Him and born again, they would know the joy of sins forgiven and they would have assurance of their salvation? Yes, friends, these are very important steps that we need to consider. And we can't just say, I'm too busy. I just don't get all that stuff. I just get... No, we cannot say that because we have the Lord's Word and we have it all in front of us and we've had the opportunity of hearing the Lord's Word. We want to be God's servants. As we've been praying in our church you know, for a long, long time now, Lord, lead us to some soul that we might show the way to Christ, that we might be able to teach them and point them to the Savior. Well, we need to know how to do that. And we need to know enough of the Word. Let it be in our heart. And so in conclusion this morning, and I just leave a couple of things with you, three simple thoughts. As we face this verse and look on it and reflect in the mirror of it, we're not looking at anybody else. We're not pointing the blame to someone else. We're saying, Lord, yes, we have to admit that there is much of the Word of God that I do not know. And I'm speaking to you personally. There is much more that I need to know. And my deficiency in knowledge and, and understanding, it's caused problems for myself and others. But the answer is not to say, oh, I'm full of despair. What's the hope? It's all washed up now. I'm done. No, no. That's when we get on our face before God and pray. That's when we come to seek the Lord. For God's Word is a living Word. It's alive. And we want to have that living Word made alive and real to us and powerful in our lives. So yes, we have to admit that we need help. And then, secondly, we want to ask the Lord to write His Word on our hearts. We want to ask the Lord to give us understanding. We don't want to just comprehend it to know the facts of it, but we want to get the depth of the Scripture into our understanding. So, we acknowledge our need. We are praying for the Lord to open our understanding in our hearts. And then we're going to be confident that God will answer that prayer. How do I know that? How do I know God's going to answer that prayer in your life? Because it is a prayer according to His will. That's how we know. And that's why we can say yes. And when we're praying, asking the Lord, and confident He will answer, then, dear friends, we must put legs to our prayers. You can't just do that and say, oh, well, that's great. The Lord's going to help me now. And then leave your Bible closed and get dust on the shelf. That's not the way it's going to work. No. Now you're going to open the Scripture. You're going to begin to read and look and study. You're going to get before God. And that's where He will show us from His Word. 
It might be time, friend, to put the remote down and stop surfing on the net and use the computer for a good purpose. Use it for a study purpose. Use it for a right-searching tool to investigate the Word. Having said that, be careful about the stuff you investigate on the computer for doctrinal answers to your biblical problems. That's not always going to be the right way to do it either. But you understand what I mean. Let's be about the Scripture. Let's get into the Word and be a people, a congregation who are strong in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's close our service today by singing number 169. 169. I serve a risen Savior. He is in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. Let's stand, lift our voices and our hearts to the Lord as we praise Him.
please, in prayer. And it may be, friend, that you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. You're watching online and you've never bowed your heart in repentance and faith. And I say today is the day of opportunity the Lord has given. Call on Him where you are right now. Repent of your sin and you can know the joy and the peace of sins forgiven. Father, hear our prayer this morning. Receive our worship and our praise and work effectually in the hearts of any who are unsaved. And dear Lord, bless and edify and build up all of Your people this morning that we might rejoice that we might feed our souls upon the precious Word of God. Part us now, Lord, in Your fear with great and rich blessing. For we ask all in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 